G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Throughout the history of the church, legalism has always been a problem. It probably reached its high point during the Dark Ages when Christians were led to believe that the more pain they inflicted upon themselves, the more God would like them. Various forms of asceticism were practiced, such as wearing coarse clothing, crawling up stone steps until the skin was torn off one's hands and knees, etc., But even in modern times, we have laws about such things as what is acceptable dress for Christians, what we can and can't eat and drink, quiet time laws, for example, God will bless you in proportion to the time you spend reading the Bible and praying, etc. And then, of course, there is the couple who removed the swing from the budgie's cage every Sabbath day. I guess that was because it would be wrong for the budgie to enjoy itself on the Sabbath. You know, if it feels good, it must be sin. Dear friend, beware of the church police. They're the ones who feel it's their ministry to check up on you to make sure that you're keeping the rules. God hasn't given us minders to keep us on track. He has given us His Holy Spirit. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. And thanks for joining us. It's Phil here along with author and pastor Ken Legg. And this week we're putting the amazing back into grace. And Ken, it's kind of strange how we have this tendency to try to regiment the Christian life. It's almost like it's a default position. You know, why do we do that? Well, I think we have to face the fact that basically we don't trust the Holy Spirit to do his work in us. We feel that we've got to give people laws to keep uh, in order to keep them on the straight and the narrow. Mm. Uh, But then, of course, we end up with a bunch of man-made rules. For example, I don't know about you, but when I first became a Christian, the well-meaning couple in our local church took me under their wings and in their discipleship endeavors toward me, they said, Ken, now that you're a Christian, you can't go to the cinema anymore. I asked why. And they replied, well, when Jesus comes back to the earth for his church, he's not going to go into the cinema looking for you, is he? I remember hanging my head in shame thinking, no, what was I thinking? It's probably good advice, though, to stay out of the cinema for certain movies because as a Christian there are some things that really aren't beneficial for us to see. Yeah. Um, But at one extreme, a lot of people say that grace is a license to sin. It's, you know, we're covered by grace, so therefore you can go and do whatever you like and whether that's about movies or any sort of action and where it doesn't matter. Is that a myth? Well, that's probably the most common objection to those that teach grace, you know, that we're just giving people a license to sin. Now, for some reason, uh, people seem to think that anyone who teaches grace wants to actually lower the standard of Christianity, both for themselves and for those that they're ministering to. Now, in response to that, I would say, first of all, nowhere in the Bible is grace presented that way. It's a total misunderstanding of what grace is about. And secondly, I've never once heard a grace preacher say, now that we're not under law but under grace, it doesn't matter how we live. Mm, do what you it, like. Yeah. In fact, I don't know if you know of the ministry of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He's passed away now, but he greatly influenced my life. And um, he, he said this, actually. He said, every preacher should be accused of teaching that. They shouldn't teach that, of course. They shouldn't teach that grace is a license to sin, but they should be accused of it. Well, now, why did he say that? Because... 
Grace teaches, hey, this whole Christian life, it's, it's all of God. It's what God is doing in you. It's not what you're doing for God. It's what he's done for you and is doing in you and through you. Now, when you preach that, people automatically come to the conclusion, well, if it doesn't, if it's not up to me, then it doesn't matter what I do. Mm. So let's go and sin. And, and even Paul said he was slanderously accused of, of teaching that. You know, he didn't teach that, of course, but that's the conclusion that people came to when they heard that he was preaching about the grace of God. And so the reason this misunderstanding occurs is that grace is radical. It proclaims that there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves or to even sanctify ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's God's work in us and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So salvation is by grace. It's all of God. And we can't pay any price to earn it or to keep it. Anything we seek to add to the finished work of Christ actually implies that Jesus did an incomplete job. It's a bit of an insult, really, isn't it? It's an insult. And and so that's why grace is so, you know, it's such an important and central doctrine in the Bible. But you're not saying, though, there's no place in the Christian life for good works or following standards. Absolutely not. I mean, uh, works are a very important aspect of the Christian life. You know, Jesus said by, by the, the good works that we do, men will know that we belong to him and that way we let our light shine. But the, the importance is to see what place they, they play and, and the order in which they appear. Works are a fruit of God's grace at work within our lives. They're not the cause of his grace. Mm. See, some people teach that we have to do certain works in order to merit Yes. God's grace working in us and through us and for us. But no, it's all free. That's the meaning of that word grace. It's all of what God has done for us, and he gets all the glory for that. But, of course, when we've received his grace, it produces good works. Now, let me just explain that in uh, uh, this verse from Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. He says, By grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Then he says, Clearly not of works, lest anyone should boast. But then he goes on to say, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Mm. So it's the outflow of God working in us. Yes. I guess what some fear, though, is if we say our works or our behaviours doesn't figure in the equation of our salvation, then some Christians may just run wild and do what they like. Yeah, I, I, and I, I, I appreciate that concern. Uh, but, of course, the opposite is the truth. The, the more we understand God's love, the greater will be our love for him. You know, John says we love him because he first loved us. Mm. And it's the goodness of God that actually leads us to repentance and touches our heart, melts our heart, and transforms us. Getting a, 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 an incredible revelation of just how good and loving and gracious God is. Mm. God doesn't scare us into behaving holy. And Paul had a lot to say about that, didn't he? Yeah, I always take people to what he said to Titus when he was teaching about grace. He says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us what? To deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, to live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, just stop there for a moment, Phil. How can anyone get out of that that grace is a license to sin? Yeah. It teaches us the exact opposite, to, to, to not live ungodly lives, not to live in a worldly lust, but to live soberly, righteously, and godly, and to live in the light of the second coming, he goes on to say. Live, live in the light of the fact that Jesus is going to appear again, and uh, let's live in the light of his second coming. Now, it's only the grace of God working in us that can cause us to live that way. Um, grace isn't a license to sin. It's the only thing that can get us out of sin. In fact, Paul says sin will not have dominion over you. Why? Because you're not under law yeah. but under grace. Yeah. 
What about people, though, that might say, I believe in grace, but, you know, we've still got to do our part. Is there any substance to that? Oh, that's a good question. In fact, the Jews asked that question of Jesus. They said, um, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Um, now, they probably asked that because they understood covenants. Mm. Covenants demand a response. Mm. Now, under the old covenant, God gave a law. The response was the works of the law. So that was the basis of the covenant. If they kept the works of the law, they would be blessed. If they didn't, they would be cursed. And eventually, if they didn't, they would break covenant with God. So mm. they're asking Jesus, all right, you're teaching all these new things. What must we do to work the works of God? And Jesus responded, these are the works of God that you believe on him whom he sent. So in other words, under the new covenant, the counterpart of grace is faith. Um, it's to believe that he has done it all. It's to believe that everything that God wants to do in my life, Jesus has accomplished at the cross, and he's already gifted that to me. Um, the Bible says that his divine power has given to me all things that pertain to life and godliness. So I don't get these things by praying and fasting and sacrificing and paying a price. It's all of grace. Everything that God wants to do in my life, even my sanctification, is something that Jesus has purchased for me. So the root of my holiness is not through marrying myself to the law, but Jesus is the root of my holiness and my godliness. So that's what grace is all about, getting us to get our focus again upon Jesus and believe that he is sufficient for all things. It really comes back to faith and not what we do. Yeah, well, that's right. Paul says, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. The just shall live by faith. We're putting the amazing back into grace this week on Set Free. Join us tomorrow as we continue the conversation. And until then, remember you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book Grace Roots, which features topics from today's message, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.